Welcome to the Property CEO Podcast, your inside track to the world of property with your hosts, Ian Child and Richie Clapson. Hello and welcome to the Property CEO Podcast. My name is Ian Child and I'm here with Richie Clapson. Hello everyone. And in this episode, uh, we've got a real treat. We're going to be speaking to Ray Khan of KMA Accountants uh, down here on the South Coast. And he's going to be giving us an insight into uh, to what accountants really think of developers and property people. So, uh, Ray, uh, hello to you and welcome to the Property CEO Podcast. Thank you for inviting me. Absolute pleasure, absolute pleasure. And actually, for me, this is uh, even more of a treat because you've always been a bit of a, uh, a kind of a reassuring figure in my life. Um, and that's not just because of your accountancy skills. Where's he going? That's because you've known Richie for, well, since Adam was a lad, and you still talk to him. It's a good 15 years that I first met Mr. Clapson. Yeah. And oh, yes, 20. I've followed his career with great uh enthusiasm <laughs> and and has the trajectory always been downward or has he had some um uh, to be fair to Richie, um, he's done very well in his life, so I'm, a li- I'm amazed. But he, I'm amazed! <laughs> <laughs> well, I like to think I had some help in that, but I think it was all he down didn't. to Richie. He had no help. So one of the things we like to kick off some of our episodes with is a few sort of reflections on uh, some of the things that have, have happened during the week. But of course, uh, seeing as we've got you here, you must have quite a, a rich seam of gold to tap into in terms of some of the things, that, uh, some stories perhaps about Richie. Don't tell him a thing, Ray. <laughs> The problem is what goes on tour stays on tour. I, think. <laughs> ah, ah, I see. But you've, you've got a, a shared interest, haven't you? Because you're both well, quite passionate about, about motorcars. Would that be fair to say? That, that's correct. Well, I've uh, been out in a few vehicles with Richie and he has scared the living daylights out of me on a number of occasions. <laughs> yeah, um, but you've done the same. But yes, we, we share a passion. I, I, I like cars, not as much as Richie, I must admit. <laughs> Uh, but we uh, we went down to Le Mans last year, uh, which was a great long weekend. Luckily, I was driving. Okay. And I was Luck- lucky enough. <laughs> lucky for who? <laughs> well, I was lucky enough that my uh, partner drives a, a Ford Mustang five liter supercar. And I was lucky that nice. she let us take it. Wow. Uh, what we didn't tell her was that on one part of the motorway in France, we managed to race a Porsche, <laughs> at which point. Richie looked a little bit sheepish. <laughs> did he? Because you did want because he talks a good game. And what you're saying really is that, that you know, in, when, when it's sort of serious driving, a bit of a girl's browser. Well, all I'd say is I, I like driving fast in a straight line. Richie likes swinging round corners and, <laughs> and uh, driving like a test driver, whereas I, I, I like driving fast. But... Oh, okay. What did you tell me? Okay, so we're driving down in this 4 Mustang, which was a beautiful car, a lovely sound. Yeah. Better than the Porsche. I don't think we ought to, we ought to tell them that, but it was better than the Porsche. The sound was brilliant. Yeah. So uh, first of all, we were going along. The bonnet was lifting up. Do you remember the bonnet was lifting up? And I went, why is the bonnet shaking? And you went, oh, I think it's a design feature, which I later looked up and realised it wasn't. They just need adjusting, and all Mustangs do this. You have to adjust One of the down. funniest things at the time was I was actually told it was a design feature by the guy who sold the car. Uh, what we realised was, as I looked over at Richie, who was Googling design features in Mustang. And life insurance. And said to me, Ray, that's a design fault, not a feature. <laughs> but the other thing that, that Ray said to me as we, as we were going along, he said, um, 
Oh, by the way, just to warn you, um, I got a bit of a problem and I've lost a bit of feeling in my foot. So don't worry, just because I'm not familiar with the car, I have to stamp the brakes hard so I actually know that I'm pressing the right pedal. <laughs> what confidence does that give me? <laughs> what did you tell me as well? You said, oh, I'd actually had just a very low speed uh, minor incident a few weeks before where you'd actually were in someone else's car. What did you yeah, do to that car? Yeah, unfortunately, right? I, I've been driving since I'm 17 and I've lucky enough never to have had an accident until six months ago when a client lent me his Rolls-Royce Phantom <laughs> to take my mother-in-law out for a drive, which was going to be a fantastic experience for her. Uh, unfortunately, in exiting the drive through car wash... Officer. I drove into the back of a parked truck. At uh, what sort of speed? About five miles an hour. <laughs> so you could see the whole thing coming. Uh, my whole life flashed before me. However, uh, it, it turned out okay because... Um, the the damage didn't damage the grill. The grill would have been oh, right. game over. But what, what was the value of that vehicle? Two hundred and fifty thousand. <laughs> <laughs> you could have just borrowed a Fiesta. That would have been a lot easier. Uh, what would what would the grill have cost then? Fifty thousand because the airbags would have gone off. Uh, but I was lucky because my client is a really nice chap. Uh, and apart from swearing at me when I told him, <laughs> he'd calmed down by the time I'd reached him in an hour and said, it's fine, Ray, you're okay, it's only a car. And I said, thanks. And he said, don't ever ask me to borrow another <laughs> car again. <laughs> I said, fine, not the Ferrari or the Mustang, no. So I've learnt my lesson. Yeah, I've learned oh, my lesson. That's good. Yeah, You've I got some it. great clients. You must give a great service for them to let you off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we should get some clients like that. Yeah. That would be great. I mean, you'd be boring Ferraris every five minutes. I would do, yeah. I would do. No, it was it was an experience, uh, but it, it ended up okay because no one was hurt. Le Mans weekend was great, wasn't it? I tell you, I tell you the worst thing though. Um, I, I don't know if anyone out has ever slept with Ray, but it's not something you want to do. Now that sounds a bit odd, doesn't it? But we had tents, didn't we? Because the best way when you go to the twenty-four hour Le Mans race is camp. Now we, we had, were in the VIP camping well, VIP, yeah, section. So it was all ready erected. Richie, it wasn't that difficult. No, oh, no it wasn't difficult. No, the point I was going to make is that we turned up. So yeah, the VIP camping was great because we've yeah. got camp beds, yeah. pillows, little lights, and etc. Uh, it, it, it's you. You're sleeping. So we go out. We're going to have a few drinks. So we're out there having a couple of beers. Not silly because we're, we're all a bit older. Mm. We have a couple of drinks. We go back to the tent. Ray Khan goes back into the tent. Within seconds, falls straight on top of his camp bed. And he's he's sleeping within about five seconds. Really? Yes. Fully clothed. Oh, I can sleep standing up. <laughs> he was asleep. And I thought, no way. Wow. No, the next night, I thought, right, I'm going to get to sleep before him. Huh? Not a chance. Really? Not a chance. Because sometimes I think you're you're asleep standing up, but you're not. And you, you start moving. That's because I'm bored because you're chatting. As soon as you're chatting, I get bored. I'd like to apologise for that, Richie. It, was, it wasn't a great experience for you, but I had a great weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Well, all's well then. All's well that ends well. Fantastic. So what are we going to learn from Ray today? I don't think we're going to learn a huge amount from Ray, to be honest, but, I mean, we'll give it a go and see what comes out. (laughs) Well, I've got a few questions, Ray, if I can, to ask you, just in terms of, you know, your view as an accountant, uh, you know, what you sort of think of developers, maybe a few tips, that sort of thing. So if I fire a couple of questions and just give us a few sort of things and answers. So um, firstly, let's have a think then. What's one thing that most developers get wrong when setting up their new company, they set up their new business? What do you see they get wrong? Well, let me start by answering uh, or giving a bit of a background of what I've done and why 
I can comment on property developers and, and accountancy and tax. So I've uh, owned and managed an accountancy practice for 25 years. Yep. Uh, during the early 2000s, looked after a lot of property developers, helped them through what happened in the late 2000s. Yeah. Um, and did a lot of property development myself. So from buying buy-to-let properties to buying small sites and developing. So I learned on the job. Been there, seen um, it and done it. Yeah, which it helped, made mistakes, which we all do, uh, but managed to help clients get through and help them from the tax point of view, which is quite critical yep. when you're setting up a business to know the exit plan rather than diving in and not having a plan. So think about the exit before you just dive straight in. Yeah, a lot of clients approach me thinking that they're uh, just going to develop a site. I'll get tax relief because I can say it's my own residence. I haven't really thought it through to realise that if you get it wrong, the higher rate of tax is 40% or 45%. Yeah. Why not plan it and mitigate that tax down to maybe 19%? Yes. With just a little bit of a plan. Yeah. So, so are you saying there are a lot of developers then that the first thing they often get wrong when they're setting up is just don't have a plan. They just start. Well, I think like I did when I got into property development, I don't think you really have a plan. You get sometimes given an opportunity and you dive into it uh, thinking we'll sort everything out afterwards. Well, like everything in life, a little bit of planning and right at the start with someone who's got some property experience, not necessarily an accountant. Yeah. I think anybody who's got property experience. So talk to someone who's been doing it for 10 years and yeah. get some advice is, yeah, yeah. is what I would say. Okay, so that's interesting. So the first thing is get some advice. Get Think about the plan. Don't just dive straight in. Even if the opportunity's there, try and plan it out yeah. a little. Okay, what we hear a lot about SPVs. Now, uh, we've talked about SPVs on some of our podcasts in the past, but just could you explain what your opinion is? What's the importance of an SPV from, from your point of view? Why should we have these and then this sort of group holding company arrangement? Okay, because uh, you're quite techy and I'm not. SPV, special purpose vehicle, I understand. Yep. yep. Um, when you're buying a property, there's normally a, 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 a you have a requirement for funding. Yes. So it's either private funding or a bank. Now, banks really want to lend to something that doesn't have a lot of liabilities and doesn't have a chance of being taken down by other deals you've got on the go. Yep. So you tend to set up a special purpose vehicle, yes. a limited company. And it so, is just a limited company, isn't it? An SPV? Yeah, off the shelf. You can do some planning with the, the use of shares and ABC shares. Yep. However, it's a special purpose vehicle. That means that project is just one company yeah. and you're doing that deal in that company. And what's the benefit of doing it? You're saying because people want it, uh, they don't want the liabilities. What what could that mean then? So if a funder was coming in and they were just investing in another company... Well, it's quite usual for property developers have more than one scheme on the go if you've got two schemes on the go in the same company a lender might think you know what if the other deal isn't going great what do i have security on uh, will they use some of my money to fund the other deal uh, i would yeah. rather have this property in this one company i'm in control of what they do and i've my security is watertight because there is an asset there yeah, so I guess you're saying that so from a funder's point of view, yeah, if we've got one project that's going a bit belly up, the funder doesn't know where that cash is coming in, where it's being directed to, whereas they have the ability to come into our SPV, our single company, our single company Correct. for that project, and say, well, hang on, where's, where's that money just being directed to? Yeah, I think you'll find most funders prefer an SPV because they want to only have exposure to that one deal. Yeah. They don't want you to have 10 deals and them all in one company. So 
you know, typically you'll set up SPVs potentially under a group holding company for tax reasons. What's the tax reasons for doing that? If you could just explain to our audience, why would you have a group holding company and SPVs? Um, the, the group holding company is so that you can extract profits uh, and keep those at the lowest possible rate, which corporation tax rates at 19%. If you don't use a group holding company, you'll get to the end of a scheme and you need to extract your profit. Out of that company, yeah. Uh, correct. Uh, however, the old rules of being able to just shut the company down, claim entrepreneurs' relief, pay 10% and walk away, those rules have changed. You can't do that very easily now. So on the whole, if you've got other projects to put that money into, you don't want to be paying high-rate personal tax, then putting it into another deal. You use a group holding company to push the profits into the group holding company, then reinvest it into other SPVs. So you can take it out of your SPV yep. up through the other company. Correct. So you're not effectively taking it out of the business overall. Correct. So tax man, quite legitimately, you're not paying tax on it. You can then reinvest it into another one of your SPVs. Correct. Yeah, so that's yeah. got a massive tax advantage, Yeah, it? it works very well for uh, people that have got a few projects on the go because extracting profits to personally is where the high rates of tax kick in. Yeah, yeah. And I guess um, the interesting thing there as well is that you can have, if you've got different companies, you can joint venture with different people because your holding company can just own a percentage or 50% of the shares in an SPV. You could joint venture with someone who could own the other half, couldn't they? Correct. You know, there's a lot of deals nowadays done as joint ventures because people, funding's easier and there's more opportunities. So having a group holding company for yourself personally allows you to have the flexibility. It also allows you to potentially do quite a few deals before you decide to retire and claim entrepreneurs really through the holding company. For the whole thing. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Excuse me. Okay, that's cool. Uh, other common mistakes that you see developers make? Is there anything that stands out that when you're talking to these developers over the years that you think, well, they just time and time again, they make that mistake before, before I know about it? I suppose from my own experience, I would say... Not looking at the detail, uh, doing proper cost appraisals, really understanding what finance costs nowadays, because it isn't just a case of saying, well, I've got to pay some interest. There'll be broker fees, yes. lawyers' fees. There's fees for everything nowadays. So if you don't do a proper appraisal, you're not going to know what the real return on capital is. So I would say to anyone that you spend a bit of time to learn how to do that properly. We yeah. all think we can make money out of property. Me included, you, you have to do a lot more detail now. Yeah. And so do you see uh, wannabe developers then coming into you, looking at a scheme, asking you to act for them, set up the companies, and then you're, you're saying, well, hang on, what is your appraisal? Which is not necessarily your accountancy job, yeah. but uh, 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 looking after someone and, and adding value, as, as I know Carl Morris do as a business, you, you see that time and time again, they've just not got that structure in place, is it? Yeah, everybody has one deal in them because they get offered it once in their life. It's taking the one deal, making it into the next deal and doing it just as well. Yes. Um, because the first deal came along because you were in the right place at the right time. The second deal is you've got to do a bit more homework. You've got to be prepared. You've got to be prepared to walk away from that deal. Yes. You know, yeah. a lot of people get sucked into a deal thinking it's a great deal. They haven't done the numbers. They haven't worked the exit plan out. And like you guys will tell me, that's the most important part of it. 
Yeah, it is. I, I mean, it's that's the same in any business, isn't it? I mean, you as a business cover lots of businesses other than just us sort of property developers. But I mean, you and I have had loads of talks over the years. And uh, yes, I, I must give you a little bit of credit for helping me on the exit of my business back in 2008, just before the crash. Yeah, um, Checks in the post, Richie. Checks in the post, yeah. <laughs> I paid you, what about that? <laughs> Bought your lunch. But, uh, you know, every business we always, we always say, and I know you do, is that mm. when you get into it, but before you even start, you want to know how you're going to get out. You want to know your exit. And yeah. property is exactly the same. And preferably in property, you want two exits. Yeah. Uh, how can I, you know, can I re- refinance and hold? Can I sell? What, what, you know, what's my roots out of it? But this problem then you see, is, it, and we often come across this, it, but you're getting it the same as well, that people, perhaps you say they've, they've stumbled across an opportunity, it's come to them, but they've not done a full analysis. No, I think uh, it is very much a case of slowing down at the start. Everyone jumps into a deal. They may have the finance agreed. Uh, it's just a little bit of planning and sometimes just spending an hour with an experienced accountant or property developer will save you thousands at the back end. Thousands. Yeah. So it is worth slowing down at the start and making sure you understand the ramifications of VAT, whether that's applicable, uh, allowances you can claim, everything. There are so many things that you do at the start which people don't do. And if you don't do them at the start... You lose the opportunity. It's too late. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, we always say as well, you know, you, you, you as a developer, you, you're, you're doing the deal with your head, not your heart. You can't be yeah. emotional about it. You can when you're buying your own home because yeah. you want that bit of extra space. You want that particular location because your friend lives up the road. Someone like me, for instance, you want to be close to me, wouldn't you? Um, but, no. you know, what do you mean no? No, no, I didn't say no. Oh, I thought you were shaking uh, your head. No, 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 no I, I was just thinking of something else. Oh, excellent. <laughs> But, uh, you know, with a development, you can't. You, you've got to be totally with your head, and the numbers either work or they don't work. Don't try and squeeze them to work. I mean... It's a very stressful business. I, I see enough clients to know how stressful it is. You know, there, there, are, there are a lot of things that go, can go wrong before a completion, while you're building it, when you're trying to sell them. There's a lot of things to get right. So you've got to be prepared to work hard, yeah. which I'm sure people are, but there's a lot of things that could go wrong. Simple things like interest rates change. Yes. You know, stamp duty increases. Those yeah. are things that you don't have control over. And I guess what we're saying mm. is there's things you do have a control over. Yeah. So control those things, like, like, yeah. like as you say, getting in early, understanding the VAT, understanding your exits. So the things that you have no control over, okay, th- th- they can be stressful. You've got to sort them out and tackle them. But, but you're not overburdening yourself with stuff that you don't need to worry about. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, the the other thing that comes in, which is capital allowances, a lot of people talk about capital allowances and getting the benefits there. Uh, now, that's obviously a thing you've got to be thinking about at the early stages. What's the big benefit of capital allowances in development? What's that about? Capital allowances are a way of claiming effectively expenses against revenue, whereas if you don't claim capital allowances, you, you claim capital expenses at the end when you sell an asset. Yes. So if you buy, for instance, a commercial building and under permitted development of building flats, one of the things you should look at when you buy that property is to, to make a capital allowances claim. Yes. Because inherent in that building will be some plants and equipment which can be written off against tax. Yes. So you get a specialist firm in, that, and there's plenty out there that we would recommend and you can find, who will work out, for instance, you buy a building for £100,000. Yep. There could be... 20% of that figure could be allowed for capital allowance, which is £20,000, which you can write off against tax. That's a big saving. It is, and yeah. right at the beginning when it matters. Yeah. Capital allowances are an important feature of property development if you know what you're doing. Yeah. And you're talking to an accountant who knows what they're doing. 
So I said, well, like you. Uh, there's people that work for me that know a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> that know a lot more. Good, good. I'm pleased you said that. Um, and they're wonderful people as well. They are. Yeah, I, I mean, so I think, so the capital announcing again, it's something right at the beginning there we need to be thinking about as developers, having the right accountant, the right accountancy firm, and asking them these questions. And hopefully a good proactive accountant will, will, will suggest these things to us. Yeah, correct. If, you, if you're talking to someone who's been there and advised clients, then they'll know. These aren't difficult things. They just you need to know them. Yeah. Um, so any training or advice you get from people on things like that can have a massive impact. Cash flow at the start, tax saving, you know, return on investment. As you know, if you don't make a certain return on investment, the bank won't lend you the money. Yeah. Well, right. if you kick in some tax allowances that squeeze that over the line, you've done your job, haven't you? Yeah, all these little things help, don't they, yeah. just to get there. Although I have to say, I, I like those as I'd like those as bunts. I'd like the deal in itself to stack up with 20% plus. Yeah. And then those other little things can come in and cover off any other unforeseen that we didn't expect. So nice little birthday presents that offset something else. Yeah. So we talked about accountants. Uh, what advice would you give someone looking for a good property accountant? Apart from Rincon Morris in Southampton, uh, what advice, uh, you know, because people will be listening to this all across the country and they might not want to come bother and see you down here. But what, what, what sort of things should they be doing to find a decent property accountant? I suppose, like everyone, talk to people you know, try and find some recommendations. It's like everything in life. Take your time to go and visit maybe two. Uh, ask some questions that are just very basic questions like, how many clients do they advise in property? Do they know about the new rules that are affecting capital allowances or tax relief on interest on buy-to-lets? If they sound like they don't know, then you're really talking to a bean counter, not a tax advisor. And, and is it important that, that they have experience in property? I mean, you talked about your vast experience in property advising developers, but mm. more than that, you've done it yourself. Now, mm. you're not always going to find accountants that have done it themselves, but I guess you, you, you want them to have experience of working with other developers and prove that as well to you. Yeah, you need a good accountant and you need good business advice. It's quite hard to find someone who's a good accountant and gives you good business advice, um, but they're out there and... Not necessarily just accountants, just talk to people that have been in the business. They'll know more than most accountants. So, okay, so interesting there then, uh, what we're actually, we've got a number of elements there. One is a decent accountant, that's obviously you've got to have compliance and everything. An accountant that understands property development and can demonstrate they've actually got property development clients, Mm. and you can ask them a few choice questions to see whether they seem to know what they're doing. and then really importantly, and this is, this is more of a subtle one, an accountant who actually understands business yeah, would, be, I mean, would be great. I'm, I'm a rare beast like that. I, I was never really interested in You are definitely a rare beast. <laughs> Thank you, Richie. <laughs> no emphasis on either word there. <laughs> rare. Um, no, I'm more interested in business than I'm in accounts. You know, that, that's been my life to be interested in business. Uh, but you do need an accountant that will do the detail Make sure everything's right. As you say, 70% of an accountant's job is compliance. Yes. You have to have that done. Um, If you don't find someone who uh, knows a lot about uh, property but is a good accountant, that's a good start. You know, you're not necessarily going to meet someone who does both. I'm lucky enough to have been involved with a lot of clients that were property developers and started to dabble in it myself. Yeah. So I liked it. I was good at raising the money for deals. Was good at doing the numbers, so I, I, I do more of that than accountancy now. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think to sort of to sum up, 
some of those points that we're talking about today. I mean, uh, firstly, I was asking you know, what developers get wrong, and it, it seems to be this lack of ability to understand the whole picture and do all their numbers and pull the whole deal together. So, you know, getting all that information is, imp- is important. Uh, I, I love the explanation of SPVs, you know, that's something we talk about. And um, so it's, it's important that people get their structure right, talk to their accountants earlier on, get set up. Otherwise, you lose that opportunity later on, which I think is, is a big thing. The things like capital allowances, getting all the VAT right and so on. And I think really the sum up at the end is, you know, you've got to have a decent accountant. And I guess what you're saying there is you might find a really good accountant that can give you all the compliance and everything, which is massively important. But perhaps you could bring alongside you, and we talk about bringing a non-exec on board into your team as part of the property CEO principle, is actually you could bring a good good developer, maybe a semi-retired developer who's been there and seen it and done it, who could complement your accountant. And actually you could get then the, the sort of mix of skill sets, particularly this business skill set out of it as well. Yeah, I think it's dead right, Richie. At the end of the day, being in business is quite lonely. You've got to make some tough decisions. You want to work uh, it in. <laughs> I wish it was lonelier than it was. I can't comment. This is a small room and there's three of us in there. <laughs> what I mean is, you know, you need to have a mentor or somebody you can talk to. Uh, doesn't always mean that's your accountant because a lot of accountants charge you for every minute they speak to you, so that could end up being very expensive. You used to do that for me. I did. I used to charge you by the uh, millisecond, Richie. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> That's why I've just bought my Bentley parked outside. <laughs> no, being serious, you, you, it's good to work in teams. I've always said that to clients. If you can have someone that you can just talk to, run through a deal, it will always help you understand that deal and make the right decision. Brilliant. That's been really good. It's been Fantastic. really useful, Ray. Thank and you. I, and I think also, I mean, one of the things that's uh, always difficult for people, I think, starting out is, yeah, how to how to find, get access to people, uh, even in people that are in property that can that know good accountants. Uh, but, of course, your local property meeting is always a good place to start where you've, you're going to have people going there that, um, that are developers or in all different types of, of property. And, of course, they're all going to have accountants. And you'll find out quite quickly, I think, who are the, the movers and the shakers just through word of mouth. So, um, Excellent. Fantastic. I thought you did that really well. Richie. That was good. Yeah, yeah I was I, quite impressed. My interview skills are really coming on. Yeah, they yeah. are. You can I stand think. up now, Richie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon by Series 8, you'll have it absolutely. BBC will be after me then. What for? What have you done? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fantastic. Ray, thank you so much for coming along. Richie, thank you so much for being a fantastic interviewer. Uh, that's it, I'm afraid, for this episode. Uh, join us again next time when we'll be giving you the inside track on uh, yet another part of the property world. In the meantime, feel free to check out our other episodes and you can visit our website, which is at propertyceo.co.uk. But until next time, it's goodbye from all of us here. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.